Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. One of the things that happened at the school, every school we have breaking of bread and ministry. And that seems to be a highlight to end the school. People get touched, people get, you know, set free, whatever is not set free. Something happens to their spirit. The revelation of God ministers to them. And so in this school, I thought on the breaking of bread. We had a time of ministry. And as we just sang a couple of songs to minister, I felt the Holy Spirit show me a picture. And it's the first time I'm seeing this picture. I saw the cross and I saw names by which people label themselves all nailed to the cross. And one particular name stood out, prostitute. And I was debating whether to say it or not to say it. I said, never mind, since it's so clear, I said it. I said, there's somebody in this congregation who's called themselves a prostitute, and God is saying, that's not your identity, you're not a prostitute. You see, failure is an event, it's not your identity. We go through rejection as an event, not as an identity. When you make sin your identity, then it's only disaster. You are condemning yourself and you're only down the pathway of even living a life of sin and condemnation. And so when I said this, we moved on to other areas and began to minister to people. During the lunch break, this lady came up to me and said, that word was for me. I brought up the things that I had to in the personal time of ministry, but thank you for sharing God has set me free, and I know I am liberated. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes parents, sometimes people say things that latches on to others with a wrong identity. Useless, no good. So what we're going to look at this morning is something from that where I believe God's given revelation that can transform life. There are so many instances in the Bible that we see when people encounter God's presence, the very next thing that changes is their identity, and when their identity changes, their destiny changes. So we're going to look at some of those examples. First thing when you have an encounter with God, identity changes. When identity changes, destiny changes. Now we're going to look at some of these examples in the Bible. This is not a big list, it's a small thing to highlight a point. We see the first name in the Bible called Abraham, which means exalted father. They were barren, they had no children, and now God speaks to him. He encounters the presence of God, and God says to him, from now on, you will be called Abraham, the father of many nations. Let's read Genesis 17, 1, and Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham, Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. And look at verse 5. No longer your name shall be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now look at this prophetically spoken by God to Abraham. 
still childless, circumstances not changed, but God says to him, from this day on, you will no longer have the old identity of Abraham. And this is a message for all of us. We abandon that old identity. That's not who you are. God called Abraham, Abraham even before his situation changed. Now this is what I'd like to say. God first changed Abraham's identity before he changed Abraham's destiny. And you believe what God has said about you even before circumstances change, even before your destiny can change. Let's look at another one, Sarai, which means my princess. God changed her name to Sarah, which means mother of nations. Despite Sarah's doubts, God intended her to be the mother of many nations. Genesis 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Abandon your old identities. Okay, that identity was given to you by people, but God has an identity for you. And so it says, you shall not call her Sarai, you shall call her Sarah. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And it's amazing how God fulfilled that. That in her generational line, God raised up kings and blessed the nations. God changed Sarai's identity before he changed her destiny. Another word, Jacob. Jacob, another person whose name was supplanter, deceiver. He encounters God. God changes his name to Israel, which means prince with God, a power with God. Genesis 32, verse 26, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He says, Jacob. And he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. You see the pattern in the Bible, God changing people's names? The reason why he changed their name, because he was giving them a new identity and a new destiny. And so again we see, when Jacob encountered God, the first thing that God changed was their identity. In our Christian walk, the last thing we want to change is our identity. We still hold on to that condemning, sinful, negative identity and expect God to change our destiny. It doesn't happen. God's way of dealing with us, he encounters us with his love. We receive him as our savior, changes our identity, and then he puts us on the pathway of fulfilling his destiny. So God changed Jacob's identity before he changed Jacob's destiny. We see in the New Testament, Jesus changed Simon's name, which meant God has heard to Peter, which is rock, which is which means solid or stone. John chapter 1, verse 41. Andrew, Simon's brother, found, uh, he found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which means stone or rock. So even in the New Testament, Jesus changed Simon's name to rock. And then Peter was used like a rock. He wrote 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and 3 Peter. He, he just named the books after himself. 
simple way of living life. Saul embraces identity as a Paul, and so we know Saul as Paul in the New Testament. He embraces identity before he embraced or fulfilled his destiny. So the first thing that must happen to us after accepting Christ is have a new identity. All identity revolves around the relationship. If there is no relationship, there is no identity. If a person is born in this world out of a relationship, it's bad news. There's no surname. Who's your father? Do not know. Who's your mother? Do not know. There's no identity. It's a stigma. But all our identity is derived out of a relationship. When you were born, even before you were born, your parents thought of a name. If it's a girl, this will be, this will be the name. If it's a boy, choose another name. You had an identity out of that relationship. And then people added to that identity and called you other names that you believe. How did the father, how did Jesus get his identity? From his relationship with the father. How did the Holy Spirit get his identity? From his relationship with the father and the son. And so right there in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is an identity that evolves of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When we introduce ourselves, we normally say, I am so-and-so, the father or the daughter of which your surname reveals your identity because identity is relational. When God created us, he did not only create us as physical beings, he created us as spiritual beings. So we're not only having a physical identity, we also have a spiritual identity. The first thing that God did in the Garden of Eden when he created man, he gave man his identity because God was looking for a family. God wanted a family to represent him on earth. And so he made us in his own image and his own likeness. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, having the same identity as God. Verse 2, verse 25, Genesis 2. And, and they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. Now, that speaks a lot. Why they were not ashamed? Because they were, had God's image, God's identity towards one another. They didn't even know their physical state. They looked at one another as the image of God. That's what happens when we view ourselves and other people through the identity they receive from Christ, from God. You don't look at their physical weakness. You look at who they are in Christ. The first thing that man lost in the Garden of Eden was his identity. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. What eyes is he talking about? He's talking about their physical eyes. You know what? Today we're living where our spiritual eyes are closed and our physical eyes are open. Before the fall, their spiritual eyes were open, their physical eyes were closed to the physical. and They lived more spiritually than physically. But now, after the fall, it's like one window opened and the other one closed. Their physical eyes opened, and this is what happened. They knew they were naked, and so what did they do? They saw that they were made different from one another, sewed fig leaves together, and covered themselves. 
when you look at people through your natural carnal self, you will always feel ashamed. Something or the other. We have done, or the way we look, we want to cover ourselves. And ever since that day, man is still trying to cover themselves. We cover ourselves. If you're fat, you want to wear clothes to make you look thin. If you're thin, you want to wear clothes to make you look fat. If you're tall, you want to wear something that makes you look short. I mean, if your ears are big, you do something to cover it up. Something or the other. You know what? We know we're different, and so we cover those differences. There's always something that we are ashamed of, and we are trying to hide that area rather than allowing God to bring healing and restoration in our lives. That was the beginning where man started to cover himself, protect himself, make ourselves look presentable to others. So when anyone asks you, how are you doing? I am fine. What a good fig leaf that is. That fig leaf is called fine. And it comes with a smile, fine. What a lovely fig leaf. But it hides the truth of what you're actually going on, what's going on on the inside, covering ourselves. Because we're looking at our physical fallen state. Our eyes are open to our weaknesses, to our failures, to our shortcomings. But look at what God said. Genesis chapter 3, 9. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Not that God didn't know, but wanted Adam to be honest and uh, reveal himself. Where are you? So he said, I heard the voice in the garden. Look at Adam's response. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So when we look at ourselves through our physical eyes, two things will happen. We will be afraid of what we do. We will look exposed before God, and it hinders our relationship with God. That's why when you sin, you hesitate to go back to God. When you sin, you hide. You, you don't read the Bible that day. You struggle in your walk with God. Why? Because you carry something of hiding. You can't face God because of what you've done. But look at what God said in verse 11. And God said, who told you you were naked? I like that. God said, look, Adam, I didn't tell you you're naked. You are saying you're naked. You are saying you're ashamed. God didn't condemn them. It's just their physical eyes opened and they saw their physical state which gave them or perverted their spiritual identity. That's what sin does. It perverts your spiritual identity. It perverts the identity that God intended for you. God wants every one of us to live and walk in the God-given identity that he created us for. And so he says, have you, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And that's what sin does. The disobedience focuses inward. What did Jesus do? You can't restore identity if you don't restore relationship. And Jesus did the first thing, restored relationship, to give back an identity. In John chapter 1 verse 12, it says, But as many opened invitation as received Christ Jesus, to them God gave the right to become children of God, restoring relationship. Relationship, then identity. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not by human effort, nor of the will of man, but of God. Your born-again experience is a God-ordained and God-appointed intervention where God touched you to give you a relationship with him. God chose you to be one of his children. That's what our salvation is. God made his choice over our lives. 
We are part of his family. That was God's original idea. Right there in the Garden of Eden. That we will be one happy family. You know what? When you go to heaven, I don't know whether you'll see your relatives or your cousins. But I know one thing. You will see every person who's born again and washed in the blood of Jesus. Your spiritual family will be there in heaven, even at the cost where we will miss out on our natural family. Because that's what God intended right there in the Garden of Eden. Men and women restored back in the image of God. He restored back our relationship so that our identity will also be restored. If there is no relationship with Jesus, then there is no spiritual identity. You see, we have a physical identity, but we are also spiritual beings. When we God touched our lives, He gave us a spiritual identity. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Now a couple goes to adopt a child. It's a happy moment. And when the child comes in the celebration, oh, the child has come back home, brought the child home. In the same way, God is saying, out of his good pleasure, out of his will, before creation was born, God predestined you. That means even before you were born in a hospital, God knew you, God knew me, and God says, this one I am adopting and will belong to me. Hallelujah. God chose us before the foundation of the earth. He made his choice over you. You didn't accidentally slip into God's family. He chose you to be his family. Your adoption was planned. Your adoption by God was planned. Well planned. You see, the act of adoption that we see in the Bible is not about human beings adopting human beings. That's the natural the adoption that the Bible is talking about is an act where God is adopting human beings to be part of his spiritual family. That's why it makes it significant. God called Jesus his son. He calls you and I his son, giving us an identity, belonging to the spiritual family of God. Two things happened when a child was adopted during the Roman days. Their entire past was wiped out, there was no trace of their original parents, and they didn't know where they came from. All of that was erased if a child is adopted. And second, they were given a new identity, and they were said, this is your family, and this is where you belong. And I find so appropriate that God chose the word adoption into his family for a reason. Erase everything that we've come, all our baggages. You heard the testimonies. Being delivered from our past, being us healed of our traumas so that we can embrace a new identity, a new sense of belonging, and from that new identity, live out our destiny. Galatians chapter 4 verse 5 says, to redeem those who were under the law, that, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. What a privilege. We receive adoption. You cannot adopt yourself. Neither can you knock on someone's door and say, adopt me. That's not your choice. That's out of your jurisdiction. It says, we receive adoption as sons. We can only accept the fact that God chose us and God adopted us as his sons. In Romans 8, 15 says, for you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption 
by whom you cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. So there's the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Bears witness that we are children of God. That relates to God as Daddy. Relates to God as Father. You see, slaves are fearful of their master, but sons are not. Sons have a relationship. When the prodigal son realized that he had sinned against God and sinned against his father, he comes back to his father's house and says to his father, Dad, would you take me as one of your slaves? I'm not worthy to be your son. And so many of our Christians have that mentality. They want to be slaves. You know, if, you're a sla if the prodigal son was a slave, there would be no cutting of the fatted lamb. There would be no rejoicing. There would be no inheritance. There would be no sense of belonging because slaves now have none of those things. Am I right in saying that? So how many of you want to be a slave? Put your hand up. How many of you want to be sons? The sons. You see, a slave can always stop being a slave. A son that can't stop being a son. He's a son, he's a son. He may be a lazy son, fatted son, whatever son. He eats and sleeps and messes the place. He's still a son. I'm not recommending that. But that's what identity does. But a slave earns their identity by what they do. A son receives their identity from where they are born. And that's why the Bible says, we are born again. We are chosen by God because we are sons. We have a relationship with the Father. And that's why we can call him Abba Father. You know what? You can't earn a blessing. You receive a blessing. Let's look at the next verse, verse 17. And if we are children, if we are sons... Then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, we will also be glorified together with him. You know how difficult it is to get people to receive something from God? We love to work for a blessing. Stop working, just receive. You know, you can impress your boss, but it doesn't impress God. Your boss will be impressed with a little harder work, little longer hours. You come to God, God says, there's a filthy rags. Why did you bring it? See, sons, in spite of what they do or don't do, they're entitled to their father's credit card. They're saying, someone's saying amen, yeah. You're entitled to your parents' car. You didn't earn it. You didn't buy it. You only drove it. Why? Because you happened to be born in that family whose father had a car. You're entitled to everything in the home. You don't go and tell your mom and dad, Mom, can I open the fridge today? Can I take a sandwich? In fact, if they stop you, you'll fight with them. How can you stop me? This is my, I, I want the sandwich made for me. That's what sons do. And that's the thing that the Bible is talking about. Hey, for God's sake, you're a child. Get up and receive what the Father is giving to you. And that's why we come to the place and say, Father, you're a daddy. And that's why we are in a place of receiving because inheritance is never earned. Inheritance is only received. How many of you like inheritance? God bless my parents. He just take and say, yeah, you take this money, so much of money. And then what we think of doing is, guys, buy a music system. Inheritance is received. And if we can capture that, it takes faith to receive. And that's why we need to have faith to receive an identity. Our relationship with God starts with faith. 
our identity we receive by faith and we walk in our destiny by faith. Most Christians leave defeated and unfulfilled lives because they've not understood sonship. Can you say this one more thing? I don't like to say it, but you say it to another person, stop being a spiritual vagabond. You know what a vagabond is? Look up the dictionary. I won't tell you. Look it up. It gets, it gets more specific there. And so often Christians are like vagabonds. Nowhere, no aim, no belonging, nothing. And when they come to God, it's so pitiful. God, you know how I'm miserable. He knows you're miserable. For God's sake, it's time for you to realize he's done something about you being miserable. But we go on telling him how miserable he is. That makes him even more miserable. Understand what that is. How many of you have seen that movie, Lion? Not seen it. So many of you have never saw such a good movie. It's based on a true story. If you can get our hands on it, watch that movie. It talks about a kid, actual kid, who was lost when he was four years old or something, on a railway track. And then searching for his home, he landed up into another city, got into a train, landed up in a juvenile home in India. And in that juvenile home, he did not know what was happening, a small kid, till an Australian couple came and adopted him. First time, four or five years, he's sitting in a plane, and he's looking at all of these strange things. And then they take him to his home and says, this is your parents. This is where they will look after you. And uh, he walks into that home like as if he's walking into heaven. He's looking, first time in his life, he's coming from a village in India. He's looking at sofas in his Eyes are going like that. He, the only thing he opens is a fridge. Walks around the house. He sees everything. So different. His parents are talking a different language. Wang, wang, it's going. Can't understand it. He's sitting at a table. And they taught him one word. Fork and pepper. So he tries to impress the parents. He says, pepper. And he says, paper. And they correct him and they're encouraging him teaches him. He goes on to finish his management. And then he searches on the Google and finds his home, his original home. He comes after many, many years and he meets his mother. His mother is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. He's able to meet his mother after what, 25, 30 years, meets them. But you know what? He doesn't belong there anymore. He can't speak the language. He can't identify with the culture. Everything changes. Now that is what our Christian life is. When you accept Christ, our eyes must be opened and we say, wow, look at what God's given. Look at His grace. Look at His kindness. Look at the blessings. Look at the inheritance. Our, our spiritual eyes. That's why the Bible says, having not spared my son Jesus, how much more I will give you all things freely. Romans chapter 8 talks about it. Our eyes must be opened to see the, the blessing and the, the destiny and the plans that God has for us. You know, the life that God offers you must be so attractive that when you come back to your old life, you have no connection with it. That's when you're born again. That's when you're walking in the journey that God has ordained for you. Somehow, you can't reconnect with your old past. You can't identify with the same things that you did in your past life. Why? Because you're a child of God. You have a new beginning. Every child, person that accepts Christ has a new beginning, has a new identity, and has a brand new destiny. You know, you embrace your identity by faith. Can you say by faith? 
That's the only way you can embrace your identity. You think it was easy for Abraham with having no evidence of a natural family when God says, I'm changing your name to Abraham, you'll be a father of nations. Abraham was thinking, God, are you serious? I'm struggling to have a little family. You're talking about a family of nations. Sarah laughed. Jacob couldn't understand it. You and I will not understand it. How can God call me his son? How can God put me on the same level of Jesus, calling Jesus son and calling us sons? The only difference, Jesus earned it. He paved the way for it. We receive it. Sonship. He proved his sonship, Jesus. We received it. He adopted us into his family. You know, many years ago, when I gave my life to the Lord, there's no point talking about my past identity. It was worthless. If I talk about it, you may get depressed. I had such a low opinion. I had such a disgustful opinion about myself. I didn't need the devil. I didn't need anyone. I was doing a good job condemning myself. The devil was said, hey, this is good, good one. You know, he's killing himself. And there are many people like that. I'm not the only one. And I was so hopeless. I was, I was so down. I couldn't see meaning in life. I couldn't see why I was living. Every time I thought about life, it was depressing. How depressing, how mundane it is. You study, you go through all the effort of studying to get one decent job. You get one decent job, you fall in love and marry a girl. You get married to a girl, then you produce the children. And then what? Go through the whole cycle of bringing up those children, kids and then living life. For what? For them to get married and have kids, that's all to life? I said, that's a boring life. That's enough to get me depressed. I don't know about you. I mean, it's so predictable. It's so, you know, mechanical. And I was fed up to even think about life like that. And when I got touched by God, for the first time I had hope. I saw meaning in life beyond what was mechanical. And then God began to bring truth to my heart about my identity. You know, I battled with it. I struggled with it for months or even years, believing, choosing to believe, I am the light of this world. I am the salt of the earth. I am God's chosen one. I am anointed by God. I believed it, not because I felt it. My circumstances didn't change. I didn't feel like a light. I didn't even feel like a matchstick. No one saw any light. If I, if I said anything, I mean, you're one among the others who said something. Someone listens, someone don't listen. But despite all of that, I chose by faith to believe that God gave me an identity. This morning, if you can choose by faith, God has given you an identity. It will change your destiny. And I believed it, and I believed it, and I still believe it. You know what? It started a destiny. Oh, I can't believe people pay to come and listen. School, they travel all over to sit there so long. You see the light. God's called every one of us to be the light of the world. You can't see it now, but you will see it. When you start changing, embracing your identity, that's the beginning of embracing your destiny. You can't do it without light, and you can't do it without salt in this world. Isn't it true? You can't live. And God is saying, that's how significant your life is. I'm going to make you light in this world. I'm going to make you salt. People can't do without you. How does that make you feel this morning? I'm feeling good. It's true. 
There's something that we contribute to life that no one else can contribute to. There's a dimension of living. There's a dimension of thinking that is way above the way a natural man will live or think when you embrace God's identity. When we see ourselves as debtors because God adopted us, and only a person who's adopted will know what I'm saying, because you begin to realize you could have been nowhere. Like that story in Lion. That man could have been in the juvenile home if nobody picked him up. And he could have lived the rest of his life there. And then if he escaped or if he grew up and got a trade, who knows what his life would have been. And our lives could have been like that. But thank God, it wasn't a person from Australia that picked us up. There was a God who looked down upon us. And he sent the son Jesus to fetch you and me into his kingdom and call us his sons. Put us in the same realm that he dwells in and says, you're my citizen. You're part of my family. We become debtors. But when you live your life as sinners, if that's your identity, you live in condemnation. You feel condemned. When, you, when it comes to our identity... Satan will do everything to talk you out of your spiritual identity because that's your true identity. That's your original identity. Because that way you can never get your identity. Education doesn't give you an identity. Your status doesn't give you an identity. Money doesn't give you an identity. Your identity comes from what is within. All of that is supporting you, giving you an identity that doesn't last. How long can, you know... Poor guy Sachin. I'm not talking, not no Sachin in the Bible. Cricketer Sachin. Just in case you're so spiritually minded, you're wondering where this prophet came from. He was, people will hold up both. Sachin is God. Now he's retired. Ten years from now, they'll ask, who's Sachin? And all that identity is gone. The only way they will know about him by seeing his movie. And that too, they may forget after one week. Every identity that we try to earn for ourselves in this world is temporary. When you're 60 or when you're 70, okay, make it a little older, okay, now 70, 70 is good enough. You ask yourself, who am I? And that's a major crisis for people who retire. Who am I? I don't go to work, I don't know, no one notices me, nothing. Who am I? Everything that they built their life on to get an identity is gone. Can't support you anymore. And what stays is the identity that God's given you in your spirit. That stays, and that's what you take to eternity. Let's look at Jesus' life quickly. Look at what the temptation was. Now there are many messages preached on this. I feel this, and there's something significant that we could learn from the temptations of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. When Satan came, he's known as the tempter, he said to Jesus, If you're the Son of God, first attack is on your identity. If he attacks your identity, he's messed with your relationship and he's messed with your destiny. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Do you think Satan was interested in Jesus dying of hunger? Far from it. He didn't come to be entertained how Jesus can turn stones to bread. He only wanted to bring confusion in his identity. If you say you're the son of God, do something to prove it. And that's the challenge that we live in. We are always challenged with our identity, who we are, who we really are on the inside. What is it that you really believe? Where do you really belong? It's something that's deep on the inside. And then Jesus didn't give in to him. He comes back with another one, attacking his identity. 
If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot. He's using scripture to confuse Jesus' identity. If it was us, we'd say, yes, thank you. We want to testify on Sunday. You see what Satan did second time? Make it more spiritual, make it more convenient to confuse Jesus of his identity. If Jesus lost his identity, he would have lost his destiny. He would have lost his purpose of going to the cross. What is the challenge that we face every day is our identity. What is your conviction? What is it that you believe you are? Not what you do, it's what you are. The third temptation, the three temptations. Satan throws a googly, throws a, a twister. Verse 8. Again the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you, fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, away from you, Satan. You see, he offered possessions, a better life, good holiday, good package. You know why? If he can't change your identity, he will want to shift your focus. Get your devotion. Worship is about emotions. Get your emotions latched onto possessions. Get your emotions deviated from something. Once he gets that, he's got your destiny. And so that's why it's important that Jesus maintained focus and he said to him, Satan, get away from me. Jesus knew he was the son of God. Out of his relationship with the father and he went on to fulfill that destiny. What have you labeled yourself? And God wants to change your name. Because when you came into a relationship with God as daddy, every father names their child, and God has a name for you. He's called you his son. He's given you a purpose in life. And if you've been holding on to the things that people have said, circumstances have said, or even your parents have said, it's time to say, at the cross, not only Jesus died for your sin, he died to give you a new identity. You can emerge from that place knowing you have a new identity with Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.